Hey, everybody, good morning. morning. Let's try this. I'm excited to be here. How about you? All right. That's right. The Frozen Chosen coming out in spite of snow. I love it. Thank you for being here. We are in this brand new series called Hope in the Dark. How many of you like that last song we sang? Man, I love that. Living Hope. One of my favorite songs. That's going to be kind of our our theme song for this series. So you'll hear that these next couple weeks. I encourage you to maybe get that song in iTunes or Spotify or YouTube, however you listen to music, and get that into your soul, because, man, those truths are so good, that Jesus Christ is our living hope. Amen? Uh, Well, how do you remember way back to September? Remember September? Man, fall. Fall is so good, right? Back in September, like Packers and Vikings fans, we still thought that our teams were going to make the playoffs. Remember that? It's so good. Like, we were actually excited to wear our sweatshirts. Remember that? And, like, hoodies and boots and stuff, and we were, like, anxiously looking forward to the first snowfall. Remember that? Way back in September... Yeah, it's hard to imagine now, but way back in September, we were in a series called Changed. We were going through the book of Acts chapter by chapter. So we did that in the month of August and September, and we took a little break, looked at uh, Elijah, we did a Christmas series, and there were dangerous prayers in January. Well, now we're back in the book of Acts as we're going to continue on this series, and we're calling it for this next set of Acts, Hope in the Dark. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn with me to Acts 6. We'll be there in just about a minute or so. Um, But would you join me in just a word of prayer as we uh, ask God just to be here with us today? God, I thank you that you are here. So God, I just pray that you would open our eyes, open our hearts to see you, to feel you. God, I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart would be pleasing and acceptable in your sight. God, I pray that you would be in and around and through my words so that everyone here, God, would receive from you what you need them to receive. God, I thank you for Jesus, our living hope. So God, I pray that each and every one of us then would choose to reflect that hope back into our our dark world. In your name we pray, amen. Uh, Raise your hands if you've ever failed at something. Raise your hands. Yeah, Right? Like most of us, I think we failed at something. When's the last time you failed at something? If you can't remember, ask the person next to you. And if they're married to you, they probably have an example on the tip of their tongue. Like, you remember this time you didn't put the toilet seat down? Or, you know what it is. Like, the reality is we all fail, right? But we don't normally lead that off. We don't normally talk about our failures. Like, hey, my name is Eric. Here's my biggest failure. We don't normally post that on social media. Oh, I failed again. Here's a picture of me messing up. We don't tell people our failures. We we usually just tell them our victories. We show them the highlight reel, the the things we do good, not the things that we did wrong. We like to present ourselves as having it all together. But the reality is that all of us fail. At at some point, we we mess up. And so the question is, what are we going to do when we do fail, what do we do when we do mess up? And that's kind of the big idea today. So we're back in the book of Acts. We're going to be in chapter 6. If you've got a Bible, you can go there. But just kind of a real quick recap. So about a year and a half ago, if you remember, we, we went through the Gospel of Luke. And we talked a lot about how Dr. Luke was a companion of, of Paul, and he carefully investigated all the claims of Christ. And we said we're so thankful for Theophilus, who was a wealthy man who funded Dr. Luke's ministry so that we now have the gospel of Luke. And then we talked about how the book of Acts is actually the second part of his work, how the gospel of Luke and and the book of Acts are are really one complete volume by our author, Dr. Luke. 
And so last fall, we talked about the book of Acts, how Jesus, who he died on the cross, our living hope. But then he rose again, and, and he spoke to his disciples, and he gave them their last final orders. And in Acts 1.8, he told them, wait. We talked about how a season of waiting is not a season that's wasted. And so if you're in a season of waiting right now, that's a, man, lean into that. God's going to do something. And so, so he said, wait, wait, because you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. We talked about how the mark of someone who is following Jesus, who's been filled with the Holy Spirit, is power. And the Holy Spirit empowers us to expand the kingdom, to love, to reach people far from God. And he said, and you will be my witnesses to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Well, so far in the book of Acts, they've really stayed just in Jerusalem. And they haven't gone to Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. And we're going to see in these next couple of weeks how some things happen that forces them out of their comfort zone in Jerusalem, that forces them to take the light and the hope of Jesus to the ends of the earth. Well, here we are in, in, in chapter 6, and we're going to see what happens now. Up until this point, we've seen the early church has a lot of wins. Preaching, win. Evangelism, win. You know, church planting, baptism, converts, win, win, win. Things are going well for the church. But now we're going to see the early church experience a little bit of failure and how they deal with that and kind of, I think, what they do is a good roadmap for what we can do as, as a new church as well. Acts 6, verse 1. Now, in these days, when the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint by the Hellenists arose against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. So here we have the early church. They're preaching the gospel. They're sharing the hope of Jesus, but they're also caring for people, meeting their physical needs. This is a good thing, right? Amen? The problem is they're not doing a very good job at it. They're actually failing. So here's kind of the context of their situation. See, their day was a little different than our day. Women in their days typically didn't go to college, get a career, have a 401k, and a retirement account to take care of them. There was no life insurance. There was no safety net by the government. So typically women would get married young, and they're kind of at the mercy of their husbands. If they owned property or a business, that was in their husband's name. So what would happen if their husband died tragically? Well, the widow would hope that her kids, particularly her sons, could take care of her. But what if she didn't have kids to take care of her? There was no social net. There were no social services. And so the early church stepped in and said, hey, we're going to step in and we're going to take care of these widows who have no one to take care of them. Good thing, right? But what we learn is that the church is not doing a great job at that. And so this conflict is that these widows are supposed to be getting some help, and the Hebrew widows are getting more help than the Hellenist widows. Now, for most of us, those categories probably don't mean a whole lot. But see, what happened was when the Roman Empire conquered the world, some of God's people decided, hey, we're going to stay close to the temple. We're going to lean into our cultural heritage. We're going to stay true to Judaism and, and the synagogue system. We're going to keep our Hebrew language. We're going to keep the Old Testament traditions we're hardcore, steadfast, devout. We're in it for the Lord. We're not going to waver. Others scattered around the empire, assimilated more uh, into the Greco-Roman culture. They picked up, picked up the Greek language, the Greek culture. So we can kind of think of the Hebrews as the conservatives, the Hellenists as the liberals, the progressives. 
Here's the deal. Jesus loves both, amen? Republicans, Jesus loves you. <laughs> Democrats, Jesus loves you. And Jesus wants us to love each other, amen? Amen. And so we have these kind of two groups, and they're kind of culturally and racially and maybe in their beliefs different, but Jesus loves them both. And this is tough because these are kind of old ladies, right? We're talking about someone's grandma. Like, that's not good. Someone's grandma is upset, and so this is kind of starting to spread. And so I want us to learn a couple of things here. And today, uh, just like every Sunday, we like to give you a note sheet because we don't want to just give you some information. We're going to help you have a life of transformation. And we think if you can hear it, write it down, discuss it in your small group, that'll help get those truths down. So if you're taking notes, no worries if you don't want to. You can take this down that first we see that Jesus, Jesus is happy when a church grows. Jesus is happy when a church grows. This is a good thing. It says, now in those days, the disciples were what? They were increasing. You know what that means? Someone was taking attendance. Sometimes I hear churches are all about the numbers. Well, God is all about the numbers, right? Let's go back to the Old Testament. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus. Anybody know what's next? Numbers. There you go. It's biblical, Okay. They were keeping attendance. They were increasing. Here at Mosaic, we count adults. We count kids. We count kids because kids count. Amen? Like, this weekend, uh, I'm taking my family to Colorado to visit Kristen's parents. And when we get on the airplane, like, my daughter, Rebecca, who's six, like, she's like, Dad, you better take attendance, right? Because I'm just like, uh, how many kids we got here? Uh, that's close enough, right? She's like, no way. Like, someone's going to be left behind, right? And it's probably going to be a middle child because it's always the middle children. <laughs> Any other middle children in here? That's me. Like, we're always getting left out, right? So it's like, no, one, two, three, four. All right, we're good, right? It's good to take attendance. It's good to count. We count people because people count, amen? We count how many people are here on a Sunday morning. We count how many people are in small groups. We count how many ladies went to IF. How many of you ladies were at the IF conference? I heard it was awesome. Yeah. We count how many teens are going to winter camp with Pastor Nate. And as long as he comes home with almost the same number of teens, it's all good, right? As long as it's close, it's all good. So the early church, they're, they're keeping attendance. Things are growing. Jesus is happy about this. Jesus wants his church to grow. It's a good thing when more and more people are finding the hope of Jesus. Amen? But number two, not everyone is happy when a church grows. Not everyone is happy. See, although Jesus is happy, not everyone is happy. Because there's what? There's a complaint People are saying, we don't like this. Things have changed. I used to be able to park my camel real close, and now I can't because the parking lot's all full. Like, now I don't know everybody. Someone took my seat. This is terrible. The church has changed. It's not like it used to be, right? People are complaining. But Jesus loves a growing church. Not everyone loves a growing church. Church, this is a significant threat. I think nothing is used more effectively by Satan than a spirit of complaining in the church. This is Satan's third attack on the early church. In Acts 4, some persecution broke out. And then in Acts 5, we see some corruption by some leaders, Ananias and Sapphira. And now in Acts 6, he's going to attack the church with possibly his most insidious attack, a spirit of grumbling and complaining. I think this is the most serious threat. See, a spirit of grumbling and complaining kills more churches than persecution. I heard a story once about a man who was shipwrecked, and he was on an island. He was there for a, a, a long time. And when he finally got picked up, they, they saw that he had built three huts on this island. And so he said, well, what's this first hut? He said, well, that's, that's my home. That's where I live. And they said, oh, well, where's this second hut? What's, what's that? Well, that's where I go to church. 
They said, well, what's this third hut then? Well, that's where I used to go to church. <laughs> you know, it's just in us. Like, we want to find complaints. We want to go somewhere the grass is greener. Fortunately, in this day, there's only one church. They couldn't go. It was just the Jerusalem church. It's all they had. But see, when we speak evil of our brothers and sisters, when we judge their motives, that's one way that God can attack, or sorry, that Satan can attack the church. One of our core values for our staff team here is to believe the best. And say, hey man, it may seem like what your actions or your words, like, like, or, like you're attacking me, but you know, I'm going to believe your heart is good. I'm going to believe the best in you. I'm going to believe that you and I are on the same team. And then we talk about Matthew 18 a lot, that when we have an issue, when we think, man, what you said, what you did, it, it wounded me, we don't gossip and complain about it. We, we go to that person to clear it up and say, hey, what you said, this, is, this, this hurt me. And so you can work it out together so that Satan doesn't use that spirit of complaining and grumbling to attack a church. Jesus is happy when a church grows. Not everyone is happy. Number three, we see that even good churches fail at times. Even good churches fail. So the early church, they have good leaders, right? I mean, they're handpicked by Jesus. For three years, they went to the university of Jesus, right? They have, like, they, Jesus trained them. They, they had good training, good, good education. Do they have good doctrine? These are the guys who are going to write the Bible, right? So they have good doctrine. Like, they are a Bible church. They're going to write the Bible. Do they love people? Absolutely. But still... They're failing in this area. We have to be careful not to assign motive to behavior. It says, oh, you know what their problem is? They're just lazy. They're just bigoted. They're racists. This is a good church. They have good leaders. They work hard. They have good doctrine. They love people. They're not a bunch of racist bigots. But they still have a problem, a failure they need to fix. Even good churches have failures. Mosaic, do we have failures? Yeah, we had one one time three years ago when we first started. We took care of it, right? No, yes, of course. We're still going to fail. We're still going to mess up. We're not going to be perfect. Not only does every church fail at things, every leader fails at something. How many of you are, are leaders? Raise your hand. In your home, in your business. Probably all of us are, are, have influence in some way. You're a leader. People follow you. You have responsibility. But every leader has weaknesses. Every leader has areas or they're not strong. And so what do you do with those weaknesses, with those areas where, man, you have good motives, you're trying, but you're still failing? Verse two. And the 12, that's, that's the disciples, the leaders, they summoned the full number of the disciples, that's all of them, and said, it is not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. Now, the first time I read that, I was like, what? Like, we're not going to serve tables anymore because we should be preaching the word of God. Like, that sounds terrible, right? It sounds kind of like, oh, who are you? It's like, Jesus fed the 5,000 with a kid's lunchable, and you're not going to do that anymore? Like, are you better than Jesus, right? That's kind of what it sounds like. But see, the church leaders, they were serving widows. They're waiting tables, and they're not going to do that anymore because they weren't doing a good job at it. These are leaders chosen by Jesus, filled with the Holy Spirit. But their primary duty is preaching the word of God and devoting themselves to prayer. One of the things Dr. Luke is telling us is that there are a lot of good and important things, but there's one thing more important 
than other things. And that's preaching the word of God. See, the church explodes in Acts because of the preaching of the word of God. The church continues to grow and mature through the preaching of the word of God. Where there's no preaching, where there's no word, where there's no teaching, there is no church. Man, I love soup kitchens. I love homeless shelters, all kind of organizations that, that help people, that love people. But what makes the church unique is not just our good works, but the word, amen? That we have the hope of the gospel. It's helping people, but also preaching. It's, it's pointing people to Jesus. It's teaching the kids back there. And see, the preaching informs the serving and the loving and the caring. It's not preaching in competition with those things. It's preaching and proclaiming the gospel is at the center of all that we do. It informs everything. It inspires it. And the church leaders realize, you know what? It's totally a good thing to keep helping people and, and to feed them, but we need to devote our time to preaching and to prayer. We have a calling. It doesn't mean that those other things are unimportant. It means that we have to do what's most important for us. Here's kind of the organizational principle that applies to churches, nonprofits, and businesses, that when an organization is smaller, the leaders, the founders, they serve as generalists. And as an organization gets larger, it has to transition to a team of specialists. That's exactly what's happening here. Early on, the 12, the disciples, they were cutting up the carrots, they were making the soup, they were serving like waiters, and they'd have to study and preach and teach and they would counsel now that the church has grown, they're going to need to reorganize so the preachers can keep on preaching. And so that those who are called to wait and serve people on tables, they can do that. Those who are gifted in cooking can do that. Like, you don't want me to cook your food, okay? Like, I will burn it. And I'll be like, eat your food. It's good for your sanctification, right? It's good to do the things that we're called to do. So the disciples are saying, hey, we're not good at this, but we're good at this. So we're going to find some people who are gifted in this area, so instead of us doing a terrible job at this, they can step into their gifting and their calling so we can continue to do what we're called to do. Mosaic, this is where we are as a church. As a church planner, when we were just getting started three and a half years ago, man, I had to be a jack of all trades, a master of none. If you called the church, you're calling my cell phone. You know, I had to build the website and manage our database because I was the IT department. I went to Kinko's, made the copies and cut the inserts because I was the office manager. I had to set up the checking account and figure out the IRS employee identification number, pay the bills because I was the financial secretary, you know, managing our social media accounts, Facebook and Instagram because I was a social media intern. If you turn in a visitor card, I would enter information in our database because I was the follow-up department. On top of that, I was studying, preaching, leading, preparing messages, leading small groups, writing curriculum, meeting with people, doing premarital counseling, all that. Now, fortunately, in three years, some of that has changed. Man, I think so many of you, Samantha, who, who goes to Kinko's and, and stuffs our inserts every week. Kim, who follows up with people on the connection cards. There's so many of you who do so many things that take it off my plate. But honestly, I've been convicted. There's so many things I'm still doing I need to let go of. It is not right to keep doing this that neglect the preaching and the prayer of the word. That's what Dr. Luke says. And where we are as a church, there's things that Pastor Nate, Beth, myself, we need to let go of so that we can continue to teach and preach and lead. And so what did the early church do? Verse three. It said, therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full 
of the Spirit and of wisdom, whom we will appoint to this duty. But we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. Ministry really falls into two big categories. Words and works. Words and works. Here, the leaders have been doing both. They've been doing the words and the works. And they're saying, you know what? We're good at the words, the preaching, the teaching, the counseling. We're not so good at the works, the administering, the organizing, the planning, the budgeting. Maybe as a follower of Jesus, you thought, man, I wish I had more gifts for the ministry. You do, but maybe your skills are more in works than in words. I want you to think, how am I wired up? How am I equipped to help your church? Are your contributions primarily in the area of words, preaching, teaching, counseling, leading a small group, teaching little kids back there, the gift of encouragement? Or are you wired up? Are you gifted more in the area of work, serving, doing, getting things done? I think one of the reasons Pastor Nate and I work together I think is, in general, my gifts lean more towards the gift of words, preaching, leading worship, leading small group discussion. His tends to be a little bit more in the area of works. He picks up the trailer, bright and early Sunday morning, leads our setup and teardown team, drives our teens up to winter camp. But I want you to know that we are a body with many parts. We're all different, and everyone is significant. Everyone is important. I'm fond of saying that on a Super Bowl winning team, everyone gets a ring. It doesn't matter if you're the backup third string quarterback or the punter. Not just Tom Brady won a Super Bowl ring a couple of weeks ago. Everyone did. And that's a picture of the church. That everyone is significant. That when God does works, when people find salvation through Jesus, when marriages get healed, when little kids are loved on back there, we all get to celebrate that together because we're part of the team. What the early church leaders are saying is words were good at that, the writing, the preaching, the teaching, the works, not so much. We need to hand that off. And so wherever you are, maybe as a business leader, as an entrepreneur, you need to figure out what are you good at, where are you gifted, and then hand off those things that you're not good at. Well, here's, here's our big idea for the early church and for us, that every failure is a Holy Spirit opportunity. That failure is an opportunity for the Holy Spirit to empower new people to step up, to step into their calling, to, to use their gifts. New leaders are chosen. And when it comes to new leaders, they're, they're really looking for three things. And this is the same thing that we're looking for today at our church. If you're aspiring to leadership, here's some of the things to be aware of. Number one, they had a good reputation. They, they knew them. They didn't just kind of walk in and say, hey, we're leaders. Like, they knew them. They, 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 they had been around for a little while. As pastors, as governing team leaders, as shepherds of the flock, we want to make sure that we know you, that we've gotten a chance to, to hear your story before we empower you for leadership. Number two, they have the Holy Spirit. They have the Holy Spirit. They love Jesus. They're growing in their faith. The trajectory of their life is that they're becoming more like Jesus through the power of the Holy Spirit. And Mosaic, we want our leaders to be men and women who are full of the Holy Spirit, who are walking with Jesus, men and women who have bet the farm faith, who are willing to do what no one else is willing to do to reach those that no one else is reaching, men and women who are not spiritual consumers but who are spiritual contributors. 
Those are the kind of people we want to empower for leadership. And number three, they have wisdom. They have wisdom and they have some skills. They know how to do things. Some of you in this room, you have business experience. You know, how, you know accounting, you know technology, you know how to code things, you know how to play an instrument or run a soundboard. Maybe you know how to organize a budget, plan a calendar, set up human resources, things I am terrible at. You have practical know-how. It doesn't mean you shut down your business. It doesn't mean you leave that to go work for the church. It means you can use everything that you learn in your business and share those ideas with your church And because your business is a ministry. And, and as you grow in your business skills and, and all your other skills and as you use them to bless your church, the church is blessed and, and we're able to grow. So they, they appoint these new people for leadership. And so what do they do then? Verse six. These they set before the apostles and they prayed and laid their hands on them. The apostles, they laid their hands on these new leaders, which is delegating authority. See, what happens in the Bible is that when a leader chooses another leader, and that's confirmed by the Holy Spirit and the rest of the team, they, they lay their hands on them. It's like a symbolic way of saying, we believe that God has laid his hand on you, and so now we are laying our hands on you as a way of transferring authority, of, of empowering you, of saying you are a leader, we are commissioning you, we are sending you out. Now, I just want to say, and I am so thankful for those of you who serve faithfully so that I have time to study, to preach, to disciple, to lead. And can you do this for me today? Let's be a church that says thanks. When you go pick up your kids from kids' ministry, say thank you. Thank you for serving back here so that Eric and Kristen don't have to be back there. You know, when you see your ushers and your greeters and the people setting up coffee like Nancy, say thank you for doing that. When you see Pastor Nate, thank you for driving the trailer so that Eric can devote time in the morning, on Sunday mornings, to prayer before he preaches. You know, give Rick a hug and say thank you because no one hugs the sound guy, right? We just always look at him when something goes wrong. Say thank you for being here at 7.30 in the morning. It's amazing, and I'm humbled by it. Thank you. And that's what's going on in the early church is that people are stepping up into ministry so that those who are called to preach, to lead, can keep doing what they're called to do. And we're going to see that now people like Stephen and Philip we're going to get into the next couple weeks, they have an opportunity to step into their calling. And it's an opportunity for the Holy Spirit to work. So what was the result? Verse 7. And the word of God continued to increase, and the number of disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests became obedient to the faith. All good things, right? The word of God continued to increase, to spread. Disciples are being multiplied. We want to be a church that multiplies disciples, that multiplies small groups, that plants churches. And a great many of the priests became obedient to the faith. Up until this time, the priests have been a little hostile towards this new movement of Jesus. But now they're following Jesus. What happened? In the Old Covenant, in the Old Testament, the priests were really responsible for handing out and taking care of, of the widows and those less fortunate. Perhaps they weren't doing a great job at it. But they see the early church step into that. And they see the early church now 
do a better job, not fail at reaching out to widows, both the Hebrews and the Hellenists. Those are different races, different backgrounds. And because those who are called and equipped to organize, to plan, more and more people are being loved, are being served, and people are saying, you know what, I want to be a part of that. See, church, when we love well, when we serve well, that is one of the best witnesses that we can have. Because until people know how much we care, they won't care what we have to say. Even if we have the hope of the gospel. And so church, this is an opportunity for you maybe who've been sitting on the sidelines to get in the game. And maybe your gifting is not preaching, maybe it's not leading a small group, maybe it's not teaching back there. But man, you are good at organizing. You're good at budgeting. You're good at, at planning things. One of the things that our leadership team has been talking about is we want to do a better job at loving and serving our community. And so one of our ideas is, is creating some kind of online database thing, outreach. I don't know what it's going to look like exactly. Where people can submit needs in our church, in our community. And then people in our church can post their needs, or their, their, sorry, how they can fulfill needs. So maybe, maybe you're a dentist, and you say, hey, I'm willing to fix four cavities for someone who can't finance to do that in this next year. Maybe your chiropractor say, hey, I'm willing to help this single mom. Maybe you're willing to say, hey, I can paint a room. I can bring a meal. I can watch someone's kids so that they can have a date night because they can't afford to get a sitter. And, that, and we're going to be developing this, and, and Rachel Lamsel and I have been talking, and we're excited to see what this is going to look like. We're not sure exactly. But we say, this is a way that we can be hope in the dark. As we love well. But you know what? I don't know how to code. I mean, I set up our website, but that was like a template. Like, I don't know how to do this. I don't know how to organize this, man. I am terrible at like figuring out a database of, of needs and, and people who are good at it. So people like Rachel are going to step into that. And she's going to have leaders underneath her who are going to coordinate meals. That when a single mom, which happened her husband leaves, and she's like, I don't know how to use my snowblower. We have guys who say, hey, we can go over there. We can shovel that. We can, figure, we can teach you how to use a snowblower. And we, we've been doing that. We've been blessing people, but honestly, it's been a little chaotic and unorganized. Because that's not what I'm good at. So it's an opportunity for others to step into your gifting, your calling. One of the other things we're going to do and, and on, on this as well is we are going to empower and equip a new group of leaders. We're starting our very first ministry internship program. And we have six interns who are going to step into a new calling. And then we've got two college students who've been a part of our community for about the last year or so. And I want to invite those interns and those two college students come up on stage. And what we're going to do this morning is our, our leaders, our governing team, Pastor Nate, we're going to lay hands on them. We're going to commission them for ministry. And I'm so excited to see what God does as these young leaders are invested in by Pastor Nate and I, by many of you. And uh, just to see what God 
is going to do through them. And uh, man, I'm pumped about this. So uh, let's grab a mic and uh, just real quick, um, go ahead. Where's one of the wireless? There you go. All right. Sorry, like college students. So if you don't know, we got a college close by. It's an amazing college. I went there. Uh, North Central. Uh, nothing against Bethel and Northwestern, but uh, North Central's better. Um, just kidding. So uh, introduce yourselves and tell us a little bit of how long you've been coming to Mosaic and, and yeah, kind of what God's calling you to do. Awesome. Hey, um, I'm James, if you guys don't know. Uh, thanks for coming today. Um, I've been here at Mosaic for, man, quite some time, um, but started this internship around last out of July, which is August, I think. Yeah, <laughs> so last August is kind of time where I kind of just started this internship, and it's just been just an amazing journey of what God's been doing here, and just been teaching, and just like learning a lot, and um, man, just like even the 21 days of uh, fasting and prayer and the dangerous prayers that we did was just so encouraging. Um, yeah, so that's the highlight for me. My name is Emily. Um, I've been going to Mosaic for about a year now. Um, and I am a worship pastor major at North Central University. Um, God is definitely calling me to um, start working in a church after college, but then after that, he's calling me to open up the equivalent to like the International House of Prayer, just in a different location. So I'm working towards that. And Emily is going on a mission trip to Haiti. And so as a church, we want to pray for her, financially bless her. But if you have a heart for missions, come talk to Emily. Because uh, she's fundraising for that. And so as a church, we want to bless her financially with that. But also, if you feel a need, and man, come talk to Emily. So she's raising money, raising money to go to Haiti uh, in May. Yes, in yes. May. Thank you. Um, my name is Kim, and I think it was either this week or last week was our one-year anniversary starting at Mosaic. So that was really exciting because we were having a little bit of trouble finding a church that we felt connected to after moving to Minnesota from California. Um, and then... I've just been really thankful over the past year that Pastor Eric has just let us step into a leadership role because we were involved in another church for a long time and we never really got to step in that role. So thank you for letting go and using us. <laughs> I'm Josh. Basically all the same things she just said. <laughs> um, We're married, by the way. Yeah, we are. We're married, even though my ring's over there. But yeah. Um, I'm kind of excited just to kind of push ourselves a little bit farther into um, this internship so we can kind of get to a little bit more under our belt and that kind of thing. Yeah. My name is Justin, and uh, I think we started coming here about six months ago. Got married, then came to a new church, and uh, we just feel that um, God has put a calling of, of worship leading on both of our hearts uh, from an early age and coming together to get to do that together in a, in a capacity where uh, we get to just see what God can do through us, um, and we're just excited to be a part of it here and get to do this through the internship. I'm Kristen. I'm with him. Um, yeah, what he said, we've both been doing music ministry for a long time, but separately, and being married is kind of hard in itself, but then that and doing ministry together is a challenge, so we're just excited that we have um, somebody to really teach us, somebody who's already been there and know some stuff that can help. So, yeah. Real quick before we get to Ashley Cheek, uh, is Ethan Hickel in the room? We need him. Can you sprint and get him? 
Thank you. Yes, sprinting. I love it. All right, uh, and uh, we have Ashley Cheek. Yeah. Well, not really. But. Not really. <laughs> the slightly less attractive uh, stand-in. It's true. Um, anyway, I'm Tim, for the guys who don't know me. Uh, my wife, Ashley, is actually at work right now, so she can't be here. But Pastor E asked me to step up on stage and just be her stand-in, I guess. Yeah, um, yeah so Ashley's been super involved in the youth group. Uh, she went with Pastor Nate and Christina up to the Trout Lake camp, I think, like last weekend or something like that, for the box sled races, and she just had a blast. Um, I'm not trying to speak for her, but she's really enjoyed pouring into the kids and getting to know them and connecting with uh, all those girls in that group. So I know she's been praying about doing this internship program for a while and uh, has decided to jump in and is really excited about it. Awesome. We got one more intern coming. There he is. Give him a hand. <laughs> Go stand by Tim. Uh, introduce yourself and yeah. Hi, my name is Ethan. Anything you want to tell us about the internship and your life and who you are? And... <laughs> Hi. <laughs> well, I just got done with some of you guys' kids, um, <laughs> and I just love kids, and this is a great place for me to show what God has done in my life and try to help them with theirs. Awesome. Thank you. All right, so why don't you guys come in the middle. I'm going to invite Pastor Nate and our governing team to come on up, um, and we're just going to circle around them and pray and commission them, so let's... Huddle in as tight as you can. Ethan, I'll take that mic. Perfect. So uh, we're just going to lay hands on them. And um, if you guys feel comfortable, uh, you can stretch out a hand as well as we pray and as we commission them for uh, ministry. Um, Jordan, uh, would you lead us? And we're just going to pray over them and that God would uh, continue to anoint them and lead them. And then if anyone else wants to jump in, just grab the mic from Jordan. Uh, and then I'll pray to close, and then we'll wrap up our service. Uh, stretch out your hand if you want, and let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for everyone that's here, God, for these interns. Lord, I pray that... Um, you would begin to pour into them, God, as they begin to take this next step in their life. Uh, we know that you've called them for such a time as this, God, that this moment in their life, God, to be able to pour out to others, God, but to also um, gain wisdom and gain knowledge, God, so that they can be uh, your um, witnesses, God, to this world, God, and to and be just a, a, just a blessing to this church, Lord. I pray that um, as they are making this commitment, Lord, that we as a church would commit to help them as well. And that, uh, Lord, that we would just uh, just really feel your uh, Holy Spirit, God, um, as they take this step of faith, that they would begin to grow, Lord. And that, God, you would begin to take the things that you want to do in, in each and every one of them, God, and just begin to, to dig deep, Lord, in them, Lord. Um, and I pray that the things that you want to pull out of them, God, that you'd begin to do that, Lord, because we know that each, each one of these people, God, is just incredibly talented, Lord, but... We know that you've given them those talents, God, but you want to use those talents for, for specific things, God, to bless this, this family, bless this Mosaic Church here, Lord. So we just thank you for their step of faith, and we just ask right now that you begin to bless them. Lord, we just thank you for James and Emily and Kim and Josh and Justin and Kristen and Ashley and Ethan and Tim. And we just thank you for the gifts you've given them and their willingness to use those gifts for your glory. Uh, we just pray that you would bless their efforts, uh, that you would water the seeds that they plant and empower um, their efforts 
and just thank you for the willingness to serve others and that you just bless that. Yes, Lord, we thank you for their willingness to step out and do something that um, is going to challenge them. And it's, uh, Lord, so easy to sit back and um, it can be painful sometimes to grow and this will challenge them and this will push them. But God, they, um, they're excited and they're ready. And Lord, I, I pray that um, as followers of you, Jesus, we don't want to just know you, we also want to uh, be your hands and feet. And so I pray that as they're learning these things in the coming months, God, that they can uh, put it into action. And I, I thank you, um, not just for what they're going to do here at Mosaic, Lord, but I pray just um, looking into the future, God, all the ways that they're going to be um, blessing um, churches and the people around them and just being a light for you, God, um, in this world. God, I thank you for these young men and women and how you've called them and into your, your family, how you've equipped them for ministry, and God, how you brought them to Mosaic for this season. God, we pray that we would be hero makers, that we would invest in these people that you love. God, that um, we would help them go further, faster. God, that you would use them in the decades to come to be a hope in the dark. And God, we just pray as a church, we'd continue to invest in our young leaders, that we would love them, that we would equip them. God, that we would hold them with open hands, that while, as long as they're here, we can just pour into them and then send them out well. We thank you, God, for the future Stevens and Phillips and all those, God, that you are calling and equipping. God, that they would go on to do just wonderful things for you, whatever it is that you have for them. In your name we pray, God. Amen. Can we give them a hand? Thank you so much, guys. Thank you, thank you. All right. The musicians are going to go to pick up their instruments now. Uh, thanks, everyone. We're, uh, we're going to close our service now. Uh, we just want to say uh, thanks for being here. Uh, we're going to close with one last song uh, just as a way to respond to what God is doing. Uh, we believe the best is yet to come, amen, and that God has more for each and every one of us. Uh, wherever you are today, that you have breath in your lungs, God has a plan for you. It is not finished. Your story is not done. God has something for you. And as we sing this last song, I want you to lean into that. I want you to ask, God, what is it you want me to do? How can I be a hope in the dark? If you came this morning and you have not met the hope of Jesus, we want you to introduce you to that. We want you to trust him. And I'm just gonna give you the opportunity right now as we, as, as we close. Would you just stand with me? And as the band just plays quietly behind me, I want you to know that whatever storm you're in, whatever dark waves are in your life, that Jesus loves you so much. He died the death we should have died so that we don't have to pay the price for our sins, that we can receive the free gift of God. I'm just going to invite just every eye to be closed. And if you would like to receive that free gift of salvation through Jesus Christ, to have your sins, your mistakes, your failures washed away, to be made as white as snow, to be made new through Jesus.